I think the biggest problem we have in life is that we're never where we are. We're always at home when we're in the office and we're always in the office when we're at home. And yep. you just got to get clear on the idea that you should really whittle your life down to the one, two or three things that you really love and that you really do world class. I believe Wayne Dyer said it the best when he said, if no one told you who you were, who would you be? Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Cartavera, a leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is episode 85. Our special guest is Corey Janke. He is known as the Zen Pharmacist. Yes, Corey Janke is a licensed pharmacist, has been for many, many decades, and he has found a different way. You see, Corey's not just a pharmacist. He's a John Maxwell certified coach. He's a certified go-giver coach. He also founded an organization called Successful Thinker, Successful Thinker Magazine, Successful Thinker Podcast, and of course, he has a book titled The Successful Thinker. And Corey has really found a different path. It starts with so many simple things, like really treating people well around you, having mutual love with the people you serve, whatever it is you do. Here's a novel idea. Ask people questions, listen and be curious about their stories. Corey is going to share with us today a path to living an experienced life with more joy, better relationships, and yes, greater success. And he's going to share with you today what he calls the law of the heart. The more you care about people, the more people you will have in your life to care about. It's some simple concepts, but we lose them so often, and they're all founded on one foundation, and that is living and experiencing in the moment. Get ready to find a new path to greater joy, less stress, and more success than you ever imagined. podcast where we explore leadership business and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life we're your hosts jeff dishwitz and craig matthews we believe that leaders have to put their people first and if you don't have time to grow your people then you're not leading get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business welcome to your bigger business and bigger life I'm excited to be back here today in the podcast studio. You know, what's interesting is this is our first guest that we've ever had on the podcast whose profession is as a pharmacist. And as soon as I said that word, I know for a fact, because I do it as well, you had all sorts of ideas pop into your head. <laughs> well, those ideas are about to get blown up because I think you're going to find out that this is going to be a unique conversation today with Corey Janke. Uh, Corey is a full-time pharmacist. But he's also, let's just add to the list, he's a John Maxwell uh, certified coach. He's a certified go-giver certified, uh, he's a hmm. certified go-giver coach. And here's the interesting thing about his story. About 12 years ago, Corey found himself facing fatigue, burnout at life-threatening levels. And my guess is many of you have felt that as well. And he basically found his way out of that. And we're going to talk a lot about what that looks like and the way that journey has unfolded for him. And more importantly, the way it has unfolded for the people he now serves. He also has an organization called um, 
Successful Thinker magazine. He has Successful Thinker podcast. So this is a guy that brings so much richness of life experience. So welcome, Corey. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really excited to chat with you fellas today. We're going to have a great time. <laughs> yeah, great Absolutely. to have you. So Corey, that was a little of the overview. Give us a little bit of the story that gets us here today. Oh, thanks for asking. So when I got out of pharmacy school, I was 23 years old and I didn't know anything about anything, but I was excited because I had $10 in my pocket and I had a chance to make more money. <laughs> So I, I go to the pharmacy on the first day and there's three other pharmacists there and it's just complete chaos. And they said, you know what? We don't have time to train you. So you just stand at the register and you counsel patients all day. And so I stood there and I said, you know, Jeff, take this medicine with food. Craig, take this medicine on an empty stomach. June, don't take this medicine with that medicine. And, you know, eight or 10 hours of that. And I was walking home and I was like, oh my God. If I have to do that for 40 years, I'm going to just go nuts. How boring. And so I started thinking about how could I, how could I do this in a way that was more fun for me? I'll be honest. That's 23. Selfish, right? Let's do this for me. So the next day I go to work and, and, and they said the same thing. We're too busy to train you. So you go talk to the customers. So great. Uh, and then this guy comes up and he's got this huge cast on his leg. And, and just for fun, I said, dude what did you do to your leg? And he's like, oh my God, I had one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. They started separating. It was a mess. And we were laughing and joking. And, and, and so obviously that went well. And, and then the, the next person comes up and I, I asked her a similar question. And, and then we started asking customers questions. And what we found is the people really, really responded to that. You know, no one wants to do business with a robot. We all want a person, right? So like true. You, yeah, you call into the credit card company sometimes, you get, sir, can I have your this and that, and blah, 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 and you're like, oh, come on, you're not even listening to me. But every right. once in a while, you get Craig, right? And he's like, oh, Mr. Janky, how can I make this better for you? You know, so we, we all want to do business like that. And as we were talking about before the show, I started asking better and better questions to try to pull more information out of people, simply because I was curious now. And what I found is that people have amazing stories, right? I mean, people do things out there that you can't even imagine. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I would ask a question like, Craig, man, you look really successful. You look really happy. Can you share some of your secrets with me? And then Craig would tell me what's going on and, and how he built this company. One guy told me that he was an RV salesman and he sold an RV a day for 25 years. Wow. Right now, is it all relationship based? Yeah, you know, he said they come in and I don't want to sell them an RV. I want to sell them an experience. <laughs> there you go. Right. So he's giving me information like that. And at the same time, I've got other people coming in and they look like a bomb landed on them. <laughs> and, and you're like, what happened? And I, I remember a guy saying, you know, I thought the way to be successful was to work 18 hours a day every day. And then one day I couldn't get out of bed. And I looked around and I had no family. I had no friends. I had mm. nothing. And so right then I, I wanted to give what the RV guy knew to the guy who couldn't get out of bed. Mm. And it became an obsession. Also, when people were telling me how to be successful, guess what? It worked. <laughs> I started doing the things that they were telling me to do. And before I knew it, I was Walmart pharmacist of the year. Now imagine that there's 12 hundred pharmacies and I'm 
chosen as the pharmacist of the year. Not because I'm great, but because I'm having these conversations with people. And when they call back to the pharmacy about their medicines, they want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Now think about that. We didn't even talk about medicine, right? right? So, you know, if you fast forward to now, one of my great, great mentors, my one of my all-time favorite people, a guy named Bob Berg, who wrote the Go-Giver book. Yep. And Bob's number one thing is that people will always do business first with people they know, like, and trust. Yep. And and why do they trust you? Because you care about them. Because you yeah. see them as Craig and Jeff and not the next guy in line. Yep. Or, and deliver value first and without any expectation of return. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's how we got into personal development success. Uh, it just became an obsession to try to learn <laughs> why some people are successful and other people not so much. Gotcha. Wow. Now, this is such perfect timing, Corey, because just what you described, you were talking about the guy that had all this success, couldn't get out of bed, right? Um, just this last weekend or last week, Craig and I were at a conference together, had a conversation with a business owner. He now teaches in schools. He goes into colleges. And he said, the one question I tell every student that they need to ask themselves is, what are you willing to give up to have all this success you want? And be careful what you wish for, because right. there's a cost of success. And for a lot of people, that cost is literally their life. Yeah, They get this, because they never thought about that. And they wake up and the guy's in bed and can't get out of bed. He's lost everything he really cares about, but he got the one thing he thought he cared about. So how much do you see that playing out in all the people you're interacting with? That is a wonderful question, Jeff, because one of the insights that you get from being a pharmacist is you're filling prescriptions for people so you know hmm. essentially what they're going through, right? Yeah. So here's this, and, and I, I want to add that I work in a community of people about five to 10,000 strong, right? So this isn't Los Angeles where everybody's a number. You really know these people. So mm -hmm. you know that John Q. Public thinks this guy's got it all together and his medicines show you that he's barely hanging on. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, most people think that it's them that is the one that's in rough shape. It's probably 70 to 80% of the population. Wow. And I'd say for the reason you just mentioned, because we never stopped when we were 20 or 30 or 40 to say, what do I really want and why do I want it? Yeah. That answer your question? Yeah. I think it's interesting. You threw out a number of 70 to 80%, and that's not surprising to me at all. Right. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, it can't be that high. And I, I think part of it is people don't want to acknowledge it's that high. And I think there's a lot of people, frankly, who are in denial of their current mental state because they're yeah. just so busy medicating themselves with whatever their drug of choice is, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's drugs and alcohol, whether it's just working like crazy. So I don't have to feel like there's just numb, a numb society, in, at least in the United yeah. States. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think if you look at the studies that show who are the happiest countries in the world, the United States is way low, like 30 something, right? And who are way high? Some of the lowest per capita income earners. Yeah. And that's got to tell you something. Well, I think it's interesting, Corey, that what you chose to do after your first day on there, you realized, you know what, I'm going to change how I work here. 
so that I can enjoy it more. And ultimately it, it served your customers better. I just went in for a flight physical yesterday and I had a great experience with the doctor I was seeing and his staff. And it's like, okay, I've never, never been there before, but I will definitely be going back. And it's one of those things where you chose to step out of the norm of let's just fill prescriptions and actually engage with people, be human. And that's one of the things that Jeff and I talk about a lot is how can we connect with people? How can we just be human and treat other people in the same way? So I commend you for that. And I, clearly it made a difference in your outlook on your business as well. Oh, absolutely. One of the things that was really disturbing for me is to find out how many people are forfeiting their life for their job. Mm, yeah. And, and, and in the way that Jeff implied is one way, but another way is I'll ask a person, I'll say, hey, Craig, how's it going today? Oh, great. I just got off of work. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Now unpack that. So that means that yeah. in his mind, he put his life on hold for eight hours or 10 hours wow. or whatever he did. That right? is so sad. Right. And so what you got to remember is no matter what you do, if you're not having fun doing it, you're missing your life. Right. Because at the end of the day, what you have and what we all have and only what we have is this moment. Right. This moment is our life. So if you and I and Jeff miss this moment, we've missed our life. And so you got to figure out if, A, you aren't enjoying your job, what job should you get? Or B, how can I go about approaching my job in a way that it's my life and mm. it's who I am? And one of the things that I really strongly recommend is that, you know, I told you I was a pharmacist so that people would identify with what I do, but it's not who I am. So I don't want you saying, the pharmacist up at Walmart told me, I want you saying, my guy. You know, in Chicago where I grew up, <laughs> you got a guy, right? My guy, he tells me what I need to know. My guy gives a crap whether I live or die. And all of a sudden what you recognize and what you feel from the customers is this sort of a mutual love that goes back and forth. Yep. And if you can get that, you've got everything. They don't sell that at Amazon. <laughs> that is so true. It's, it's amazing. Jeff and I are relationship junkies, I would say. You know, we, we really understand that for us, the joy in life, the juice is in the relationships that we have. So why would we not step up and try to create a better experience with everybody that we come in contact with? Well, that's the thing. You know, Tony, Tony Robbins calls it personal power. Mm-hmm but I call it personal pride. At the end of the day, what really happens is that you don't go to work for a paycheck because the paycheck's gone before you get it. You don't go to work for benefits because it's not really tangible. But when you know, when you know that you walked out of work today and you gave it everything, and that meant putting Craig in your hand and touching him with your heart, Hmm. it doesn't matter what you get paid. It doesn't matter what your benefits are. You are successful. If, well, you, if you walk out of your job and you're like, God, there goes another day, and you cross it off like a prisoner <laughs> on the wall, dude, you got to do something else. 
And wow. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, it, for whatever reason, it just sparked an experience I had. I had a friend who wanted to go skydiving for his 33rd birthday. Now, I was about 44, and I'd never been skydiving. And I thought, wow, that would be really fun. Now, I didn't know that they always hook you up to a guy, right? Mm -hmm. And they hook you up to a guy, and that's good, because I probably would have smashed if this guy wasn't <laughs> there. But I was talking to this guy it's after. It's called Bounced. Bounced? Okay, bounced. yes. And this guy had, you know, this was like his 8,000th jump. And what he told me, and I'll tell you, this was interesting. He said, I told my wife, look, if I become a skydiving coach, I think is what he referred to himself as, I'm not going to make much money. But I am going to love my life. And you are going <laughs> to love being married to me. And he said, you know what? That was 20-something years ago, and we have the best marriage, and we have the best life ever. Awesome. That is great. You know, Corey, you said something I want to talk more about because I'm guessing some people heard it and I think it, they, it bounces off kind of like um, Teflon or something because they've heard it a lot and I don't think they understand it. You talked about all we have is this moment yep. and it is, it is one of the most profound truths in my life that the only thing I ever have is this moment and what I do and how I am in it def determines my experience in my life. But I think people hear it and go, oh, that's woo-woo. Can we talk more about just that idea of embracing the moment and what, what the gifts are of that? Oh, absolutely. Because, again, that is my favorite uh, topic of all time. So two nights ago, Saturday night, I'm coming home from work. I work about 50 miles from where I live. And mm -hmm. I'm, fly I'm flying down the highway. Uh, it's a four-lane highway. So two lanes going south, two lanes going north. All of a sudden, I look. And, and I'm like, what, what? Holy crap, those are headlights. And I swerve to the right and this guy goes flying by me and he's going north in the southbound lane. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you know, so I told a coworker of mine about this and she's like, oh, the uh, Barron County, that's where we live. The, the Sheriff's Department had it on their Facebook page. His car was all dinged up. He bumped somebody, but fortunately no one was killed, right? And, and they posted about, don't drink and drive, you know, the Packers had played and all that, right? The reason I mention it is if I happen to be looking down at my phone, we're not having this conversation, right? Wow. And that's how quickly life changes. Mm -hmm. And so most people spend their days leapfrogging between their past regrets and their future fears. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how I learned that lesson. We all know about 9-11, and, and I can tell, no offense, but you guys are old enough to have been alive during 9-11. Oh, yeah. I remember exactly what I was doing. I was having coffee with my wife because they're an hour ahead of us in New York, and I was having coffee, and it was a Tuesday, and we were talking about what are we going to do this weekend, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, my sister-in-law calls, oh, man, you got to turn on the TV, right? So that day, four or 5,000 people didn't get a weekend. And here I am talking about what am I going to do on the weekend? And it was that day, that moment that told me something. We don't live on the weekends. We don't live on vacation. We don't live in the holidays. We live this moment. We live every single moment. And then one day the moments run out. Wow. So true. I think it's amazing how you talked about that as the life sentence that we have, you know, in the sense that we're, we're crossing off as, as if we're a prison inmate, right? So, so many people look at it that way of, of saying, okay, this, this day is done. Now let's just get to the next day. 
when we have that choice of making every moment count. You said that brilliantly, because one of the things that most people don't realize is that I don't care who you want to blame, but you are 100% responsible for your own life. Yes. So you can you can sit here and, and blame the Republicans or blame the Democrats or blame the county government or blame your spouse or your parents for something yep. they did to you 40 years ago. But guess what? That doesn't wash with me because I've watched so many people go from nothing to something. And mm -hmm. I've watched so many people throw it all away because they had the money, but they didn't have the consciousness that Jeff was talking about to make a moment or a sequence of moments or a series of moments for the people that they love. Yeah. Would you mind if I told you a quick story about, about something that happened at Disney World? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I I loved Disney World, you know, back when, before <laughs> the masks and all of that. And we, we had a timeshare there. And, and, and I went and, and my family, you know, uh, was small. My son was really tiny and my wife would get worn out. And so we live in Wisconsin, just north of the Arctic Circle. So we're down there and I, I'm going to take this opportunity at 11 o'clock at night to go to the hot tub, right? So I'm sitting in the hot tub and there's this guy, he comes in and he's just his. And he's just... I mean, he is wild, and it's just me and him. And he, all of a sudden, he says to me, "These people are a bunch of crooks." And da da da, you know, he's talking about how much it costs and how much they get for a soda, and da 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 da. And so, first of all, I'm just slightly annoyed that he's ruining my moment. <laughs> but second of all, I feel really bad for this man, right? So I said, "Well, that's one way to look at it." <laughs> that's what he wanted to hear. <laughs> Well, right. You know, as I said, I'm from Chicago, so I'm not really filtered well. And <laughs> I said, or you can recognize that you're ruining this trip for your family. Mm. Wow. And all of a sudden he stopped. I said, you've already invested six or $8,000 to come here. And what did you want to get out of it? Well, I wanted mm. my family to have a trip that they'd never forget. He says, I said, well, they're gonna. And what they're going to remember is what an asshole dad was, excuse my language, um, on this vacation. Or you can rethink your philosophy mm. and realize that these people created all of this out of nothing so that you and your family could have a place to come together, be together, create memories, the kind of memories that you dreamed about when you were talking to the travel agent, right? Wow. And I, I want to tell you guys, everything in life works that way. You make that decision. How are you going to treat Craig? How are you going to treat Jeff? And what you said before, it's about building relationships, right? It's not about making sales. Sales take care of themselves. And so have you had experiences like that, Craig? Um, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's, it's so important for us to take that shift. I love how you reframed it in the, in the sense of his family, not just you know, hey, you're affecting me, hey, you're affecting you, but you took it to the thing that was going to really hit him in the heart, which was you're creating a bad experience for your family. Absolutely. And, yeah. And we have that choice. But Corey, one thing I always like to ask our guests, whatever the topic is, is about obstacles. And I, everything we're talking about, I think there's some resistance to the idea of the moment because people think it's woo-woo, which is they're missing it. But one thing I always think about on this topic is there's a book that's decades old now called Five Regrets of the Dying mm, yeah. by a woman named Bronnie Ware. 
And I've every person I've met throughout my journey of life, and you're right, it's I've got a few years in that journey. <laughs> everybody agrees with everything in that book that you know you don't get to your deathbed, you don't regret the different money, you regret time with friends. Everybody agrees. And yet, in my experience, most people, 70, 80%, are still living life as if they don't know that. So what do you think, what do you see are the obstacles to people living a life? that they know they want, but they're not living it. So most people need to have a crisis before they can do that, right? So for most men, it's their first heart attack. And if they survive it, oh, now all of a sudden I'm not 10 feet tall and bulletproof. That's a thing. In my case, wow. it was that burnout experience, you know, uh, I wasn't taking care of Corey. I was taking care of everybody else and we crashed. And so one of the things that you've got to do and the way I made brought myself out of it, like you were talking about is I took a notebook and I went about 50 miles to a place called famous Dave's, the original famous Dave's <laughs> in, in Hayward, Wisconsin. Uh, it's out over this lake. And I sat there and I wrote for about three hours. If I had all the money in the world, what would I want my life to be? Hmm. And what I recognize, Jeff, is that we say yes to, I don't know, countless things that we would wish we would have said no to. And Brian Tracy, the author Brian Tracy, are you guys familiar with Mr. Tracy? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Brian asked a really great question. What, if I had it to do over again, knowing what I now know, would I say no to? And I can bet you that when I just asked that question, both of you and your entire audience could at least come up with two. And he said, now get out of that as fast as you can. And then some people are arguing that, Jeff, well, no, because then I'd feel guilty if I wasn't doing. What you're doing is two things. Number one is you're stealing from the people you care about, your time, your energy, because you're giving it to something you don't care about. Number mm -hmm. two, if you wouldn't, want to do it again, that means you probably don't love it, which means there's probably somebody who could do it better than you. And number three, and this is the thing that most people miss, is there's going to come a time where there is no Jeff or there is no Craig, and that organization is going to have to figure it out, right? So we think the CVS pharmacy can't live without me. But again, I'm flying down the road, I'm just uh, listening to ACDC, and I'm just cranking it out, and all of a sudden, one second later, I could have had a head-on collision and I've had customers that have that aren't anymore and their mm. businesses had to figure it out. Right. But I've stood there and this is a unique experience. So let's just say, I'm sorry, Craig, but let's say it's your wife or your son, right? And you're standing there getting the sleeping pills, the anxiety pills, uh, because your whole life was lost in that one second, right? Mm. So we forget that we are so much more than what we do for a living. We are yeah. not at all our situation and our circumstances. We are this moment. So everything that's ever happened in my life comes down to this moment and how I use that. But all those things that we think we regret and all those things that didn't go well and all those things we would have done over, none of that matters. That's all in the past, and it only exists, if you want to get existential, it only exists when I think about it. 
because nothing else exists other than this moment. And any of my future fears, they don't exist either. They're made up. They're BS. Because one of the things I think is really interesting is that if you look at people that you know and how they left this world, if you were to quiz them 20 years before they left, they wouldn't have never picked that, right? That that was going to be the way they were going to go. So we worry about all these things. And then what actually happens, we wouldn't outguessed anyway. And I think Mark Twain said it best. He said, I am an old man, and I have worried much about things that never happened. Oh, so good. You, you know, Corey, you said something really <laughs> interesting, and I, I don't think I've had this specific thought before. I certainly agree with you. Most people, it takes a crisis. Unfortunately, it takes a crisis. But what I realized was, and I think I do this a lot in my coaching, and I know I do it with friends because it annoys them. That means it's working that I help create crises in their hearts. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you did with the guy in the hot tub. Yeah. You showed him, you helped him see a crisis that may, it wasn't a heart attack, but that he was destroying the experience of his children or the only experience they would remember his dad was pissed off the whole time. And I think that's something we can do with everyone around us by just asking questions from a good place, a good hearted place, and help people see the crisis they are in, even if it's a small one. Does that make sense? Well, I agree, because generally what I try not to do is talk at people. (laughs) Right. This guy was a specific situation, because as I said, he came in and ruined my moment, so I knew what he was doing to his family. And sometimes you got to have an intervention. But in general, if I walk up to Craig and say, Craig, you need to be a better father, immediately I evoke resistance. But if I say, Craig, if we went ahead five years and and your kids are now out of the house, what would you want them to say about their childhood? Mm. What would you want them to be able to say at your funeral about their father? Now, all of a sudden, it's on him. But it's very disruptive. Mm. Because I think, Jeff, what you were talking about before is this sleepwalking through life sort of. And then all of a sudden, and this, what's really interesting now is that I've been a pharmacist for 32 years, so I've seen people go from 30 to 60. I've seen people go from 60 to 90. Wow. And so many of them are like, man, I didn't think the last 30 years was going to be like. Mm. And so when you're conscious, you're doing, though you're asking yourself questions every day, all day. And one of the, the questions that Mr. Tracy asked that I really like is, is what I'm doing right now the best? possible use of my time (laughs) wow that is that is something that i would imagine most people do not take the time to really think through because it's scary well i don't really think that most people are comfortable with the idea that they're going to die Hmm. however we all know 92 year old grandma who says i'm ready to go Right. But are you ready to go right now? And if not, why not? And so as Jeff says, you start asking uncomfortable questions, people get uncomfortable, but all of a sudden they'll come back to you because it kind of stays with them. Yeah. Right. And if I ask you, if I tell you an uncomfortable statement, that that's, that's on me now. You're, 
you're that Corey, he was a big jerk. And well, but wow, if he asked me that question, man, and it stuck with me. And maybe I couldn't give him an answer then and it festers, right? My wife will do that. She'll come back and she'll say, wow, you asked me this question last week and it's just been on me. So let's talk about it. Because I think that often what we try to do is change people. And I can't change either one of you. Right. You can change yourself, but I can, like Jeff said, and I, I admire you for this, Jeff, I can maybe put a signpost out here. Or one of the things I think is really helpful is I can say, you know, I had this customer who was in a situation like you are, and this is what he did, and this is how it went for him. Hmm. And, and sometimes it didn't go well, right? The guy who skipped his kid's graduation because he had the big business deal, and then the guy who was supposed to have the deal with didn't show up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then two, three years later, the kid was still bringing it up. Wow. You know, I, I, We have so many I, moments to make choices. And yeah, yeah, I mean, to your, to your point also, I was talking to my mom, uh, she was in the hospital two weeks ago and she's 82. Um, she's had a couple of heart surgeries and, you know, just asking her, so mom, are, do you want to be here or do you want to leave? She said, I'm okay with going. I'm like, wow. Okay. And, um, so it just came up, you know, why, why are you still here? Well, you know, I don't want to leave your father. You know, I don't want to leave him alone, still want to be around you, you know, so I, I'm not, I'm ready to go, but I don't want to go yet. You that's know, it's kind of way to live. That's the ideal way to live. And, you know, I, I would kind of just remembered something that, that really shaped this idea for me. So most people, Jeff, I think, struggle with the idea of this moment because we always assign this moment as either good or bad, hmm. right? And the reality is, is this moment is what you choose it to be. So <laughs> right. when I was very first uh, licensed, I was probably about 26. I had a guy with ALS and, and he was going to die and he knew it. And he was so angry that what he did is he took it out on his family. Mm. And I'll never forget having the conversation with his wife. His name was Vernon and her name was Leona. And Leona is standing there and she says, he actually looked at me and said, why does this have to be me? Why couldn't this be you? Oh, my gosh. So he had a terminal illness, and that's how he chose to go out, right? And I thought to myself, now, if I ever had a terminal illness, I'm going to make sure that I have a laundry list of people that I reach out to and say, you know what? You made a difference in my life. Yeah. You know what? You really matter. And, 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 and I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm going to be happy because I've also had the opposite, right? I have had a customer. I had one uh, customer where she was just driving down this little side street and a, a cement mixer was going through an intersection and he looked at his manifest and she's no longer with us. Hmm. She had no warning. She had no way to mend fences, right? Yeah. So if you become aware of this moment, then all of a sudden you don't want to tear down fences. You don't want to hold anger in your heart over things that you're not going to think about in five years. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's so important. What you were saying was, you know, when you, if you have a terminal illness, then you're going to do these things. I say, do that on an ongoing basis. Tell the people around you that you love them, tell them what they mean to you. Anybody that you come in contact with that, that you have that feeling, say it, bless them. I agree because, 
the the long and the short of it is is that you don't know and mm. that's a blessing because if you knew you'd freak out all the time right if i gave, <laughs> if i gave you a time but at the same time you do know and 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 i think jeff one of the ways that you get in touch with this moment is you you turn everything off and you take some time so one of the things i had to do was develop a meditation practice to where every morning the first thing that i do is i pour myself a cup of coffee i put on uh, that nature music you know like the pianos to the rain and all that and then i, I happen to have this wonderful basset hound named bell who is more than happy to sleep on my lap and what we do is we we ponder life and and, and this is where john maxwell was really great when when i listened to him speak when i was training you know he said what did i do yesterday to add value to somebody hmm. and and what could i do today to add value to somebody and then the more i study the more i recognize that most people miss the third question what can i do today to add value to myself hmm. yes and, and one of the things that's funny is we're, we're so worried about being selfish right? And, right and and so i'm a writer and so my family knows that when my door is closed, somebody better be bleeding before they open that door. <laughs> but the trade-off is, for people who think that was a very selfish sentence, the trade-off is, is that my son is super excited tonight to watch the new series on Disney Plus called WandaVision with me. And I'm going to be fully alive and fully present with him because I'm not so, going to be thinking, I so wanted good. to get that article done, right? Yeah. Uh, because I think... I think the biggest problem we have in life is that we're never where we are. We're always at home when we're in the office and we're always in the office when we're at home. And yep. you just got to get clear on the idea that you should really whittle your life down to the one, two or three things that you really love and that you really do world class. Hmm. I believe Wayne Dyer said it the best when he said, if no one told you who you were, who would you be? Instead of thinking of yourself as Corey, the pharmacist, or Craig, the business owner. I mean, one of the things that I, I really struggle with is this business that we have of categorizing everybody. Everybody's a demographic. Everybody's a caller. Everybody's a political affiliation. And I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I'm just Corey. I'm just a dude, right? I'm a dude <laughs> with a green dog shirt just trying to figure out how I can make the most out of this moment for myself and everyone in it. Yep. And I think those labels, you know, oftentimes we put them on with it's, it's duct tape. It's not sticky notes. Yeah. And, and I think it's really the biggest problem that society is having right now is that we're, we're wanting to categorize and label people and they, they don't, they're just like you and me, they don't get this. Right. I mean, I'm, I mean, if, if you were blind, you wouldn't know what color you are. And you wouldn't know what color the other guy is. And, and so right. recognize that you need to be blind to everything else except this moment and how you can add value to yourself and the people in your world. And if you can do that, you're going to be more successful than 99% of the people in the world. Hmm. I, I think I would add to that because it was interesting. A lot of that conversation was about others, but I want to focus on how I label myself. Hmm. Because most conversations, that's what I experience. Because I usually ask people, so who are you? And what they do, they tell me what they do. Because they've been, they've been culturized that that's what we're supposed to say. And I think, I don't think a lot of people even know who they are. They know what their labels are. They can say, mm -hmm. well, I'm a mom. They start looking at the things, but I really want to know them. Now, I generally will keep going with that question. 
And I, I think that, you know, I said earlier, this idea of obstacles, and I think there's even obstacles in our culture to relationships, yep. not just with, not just with technology. I was, as you were talking earlier, Corey, something flashed in my head. Have either of you seen the new Geico commercial? Hmm. I'm offended by it. I'm actually offended by it because the whole concept is this guy, and you know, Geico does the weird commercials. He's trying to teach younger people how to not become their parents. And some of them are funny, but one of them is this. It's something about, you know, that waiter or waitress, they don't really want to know your name. Oh, it's not true. And I thought, wait a minute, are you telling people that that's somehow a bad thing? Because I make a point to everybody I meet. I ask them their name. I ask them how yep. to spell their name. I yep. often comment on it. And it's led to really interesting conversation. I said, well, we've got this ad that's basically saying you shouldn't do that. Because I think our culture is, I think a lot of the information we get is non-relational. It's how are you going to be a transaction? Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. Think about the perspective. You know, it, it's probably some New York ad agency that, you know, maybe it's a, and I'm going to stereotype here, a New Yorker who doesn't connect with the people that's walking by them on the sidewalk and is thinking, oh, nobody wants to know anybody around them. And so we're, we are in the ability to be able to connect with people differently. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's where they're coming from, but I'm with you. Well, Jeff, one of the one of, I agree, Craig, because one of the things I'm going to bet is that Jeff almost never gets bad service. <laughs> right. Me either. Yeah. And, and one night uh, when I was really writing my, my, my book, The Successful Thinker, one of the things that really interested in me is I was at the Olive Garden and I'm having this wonderful time and I have the nicest waitress and, and her name was something like Jenny or something. And we're having this chat and she's bringing me whatever I need. And, and I can't set my drink to the table before she's filling it up. Well, the, the people at the table next to me were having a terrible time. Huh. And they had the same waitress. Really? And they had no idea that they were creating <laughs> that by pointing and ignoring and demanding and condescending. And you guys have seen it. You've seen it a thousand times. And if I could teach one thing to anybody and everybody, it's that, you know what? You're no better than anyone else. And no one is better than you. No one is smarter than you. Everybody's just a somebody. And everybody is wearing a sign around their neck that says, please make me feel important. Hmm. Wow, that is so good. And I think that's what Jeff is speaking to. And I think that's yeah. what you're speaking to. And I tell you, I, I got I to say, when I go out in public, pre-COVID, post-COVID, whatever, I have a great time. Hmm. And um, I feel choice. like you guys do too. It's, it's funny. Most people ask me if I talk to friends who people I talk to regularly, they'll say something like, how was your day? And it's incredibly rare. I, I mean, I think it's pretty much every day. I will my answer is always starts with, 
oh my God, I had this incredible conversation today. Like I'm excited. Like what? And they'll say, you have these every day. I go, I know. By choice. And it's not because of me. Well, it's partly me. It's because I'm really interested in people. Yep. I get, I really am so, I'm so curious about people and their stories and their journey. And they open up to me and I open up to them. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, you know, when you're talking about the servers, I, about a month ago, I went out for a glass of wine. I was by myself, actually, just having it. And I knew one of the people there, I'm talking to her as I normally do. She introduces me to someone else. An hour into this, we're having this incredibly deep conversation. And the woman I didn't even know when I got there, I had never met her. She says, let me get something. She comes back. She has a journal in her hand and said, would you mind, would you be open to reading what I wrote about myself in my journal yesterday? Wow. Like, I'd be honored. I'd be honored to read that. That's, you know, to the world, they'd say, that's insane. But it's not. That's what happens when we are open to people. We just interact with them. We love on them. Yes. By just saying, I see you. I just see right. you. Mm -hmm. And we go so fast in this world. We don't see people because we're not in the moment. When you're in the moment, you see everyone. You can't <laughs> miss them when you're in the moment. You miss them. I miss them when I'm not in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, people don't really realize is, is that you can't imagine how people come back into your life. You maybe run into this person at the Olive Garden, and then all of a sudden they're a customer at your business, or you run into them at the roller rink or whatever. And I think it's interesting because my wife is a nurse, right? And so she goes to to work at the Baron Hospital, and they're like, "Your husband is Corey? Oh my God!" Blah blah blah. And I I said, you know, I, I want you to be proud of who your husband is. Because I know there's other pharmacists around where the answer she'd get is, oh, your husband is Corey, right? And so if you recognize that it's up to Jeff and up to Craig as to how people respond to you. And I always say it this way. People are happy when you come into their existence for one of two reasons. They're either happy to see you or they're happy to see you leave. And which one is totally up to you? Yeah. <laughs> it is, that is so true. It's, it's really up to the other person. It's, it's how we make them feel. Right. And, but I think that back to Jeff's point, though, there is an interesting fine line we always have to walk, right? I always tell my, my coworkers, in one way or another, how much I love them. I believe they truly, truly know that I love them. But, you know, of course you have, you know, you have laws and rules about exactly what you can and cannot say. But I think what we're talking about is the difference between I give a shit about you and I don't. And when people know that you care about them, not just about their money, not just about their business, not just about your reputation, but you really care, mm -hmm. something changes. And that's why when, we, when I wrote The Successful Thinker, I wrote something called The Law of the Heart. And that was actually based on a real life experience. I had a customer who asked me to come to her husband's funeral because uh, he you know, did business with me and, 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 and she really wanted me to go. So I went and 
And I didn't really know them very much, but there was only four people at his funeral. And the thing that was really striking was her best friend was one of the four, and her best friend had put together a laptop uh, show where every five or six seconds the pictures changed. And there was all these pictures of Rick with his motorcycle and all these pictures of Rick with his dogs, but there were no people in it. And I couldn't help but ask her about it. And she says, Rick didn't like people because he didn't trust people because he thought everyone was out to rip him off in some way. And so I recognized that, are you going to be Rick or are you going to be Jeff? And I wrote it up this way, take it for what it's worth. But I said, the law of the heart is very simple. It's the more you care about people, the more people you will have in your life to care about. So, so true. That is a great way of phrasing that, Corey. And I want to tell you the truth, though, is one of the best uh, advice I ever got from the customers I was seeing, I was asking for advice, was to read books. And and the guy says, you know what, if you read an hour a day, every day, you'll basically read about a book a week. And so that was about 30 years ago. So I think I've probably read something like 1,500 books. And the one that that really sticks out in my mind is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. You're both aware of that book. And then you're aware of the idea that you first begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. So when I am sitting in my imaginary funeral, however many years from now, I always ask myself the question, what do I want people to be able to say about the experience that I provided for them. Yeah. Most, most people think they, 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 you should want them to say, what do they think about me? Uh, you know, if we got existential here, I'm just like the operator of this mechanical machine that looks like my body. But really, <laughs> what I am is what I do and how I operate in this moment. So that's how we start. And, and no one wants to have someone say, well, you know, I went through this amazing remodeling project, and then he walked in and pointed out the one flaw he didn't like. You ever have an uncle that did that? And, and so it's the questions and the, that we ask people in the way we ask them, and really the non-judgmental space, I think, is a, is a big thing, right, Jeff? You're not judging people when you introduce yourself to them. You're just experiencing them and letting them experience you. I'm really proud of you for that. Craig, what kind of experiences do you have when you go out in public? Uh, pretty, pretty similar. Um, for me, it's, you know, when you're going to go out to eat, it's asking that waitress or waiter what their name is right out of the gate. If they don't have a name badge on, calling them by their name, if it is, having a conversation with them, smiling at them, making them feel wanted as well. But that's, that's the kind of experience we want to have in a lot of places. But I also come to the place of when they do deliver that excellent service, I always make sure that I tell the manager and I've learned, you don't just say, Hey, can I speak to your manager? You say, can I speak to your manager and say something good about you? <laughs> because it makes, <laughs> yeah, That changes their experience a lot. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I have a, I have a great experience with people and it's, it comes from that same place. You know, it, it's, it really is the genuine, I like people and uh, yeah. So I'd like to point out that one of the things that you two do is you surround yourself with people like each other, right? And I think that goes to another one of uh, 
the answer suggests question. Why can't people stay in the moment? Because a lot of people surround themselves with complainers, yeah. with critical people, with people that really are not invested in their health and excitement. Hmm. And I think that you guys surround yourself with two great people, and that's wonderful. <laughs> I think there is one one little bit of um, adjustment to what you said. We we surround ourselves with people who have some similar viewpoints of the world is a good place and so forth. But we do try to have some differences in the people. You know, we don't we're trying to be explicitly different. You know, with the people that we're around, so we get those those different perspectives. Fantastic. So you're you're actually adding to your world by bringing in people who can help you see things the way you don't see them. Yeah. I think this podcast has been huge for that for me, for me, at least. I don't, I don't know if that's, I think Jeff was probably on that journey a little bit earlier. Well, and I think, you know, I I think it's a great point because I am very intentional about uh, interacting with people who aren't like me because I am the main reason. Well, two reasons. I want a richer experience in my life. And two, I've realized that if I don't do that intentionally, the default without intending it will be a lot of people like me. Yeah. But where to your point earlier about those no's and yeses, that is a place that I exercise that in my relationships. I have people in my life that I've set boundaries around how much time I spend with them. Doesn't mean I don't care about them. It doesn't mean I'm not supportive of them, but I choose to have different levels of interaction based upon not their viewpoints, but their energy, frankly. Yeah. Um, And and at some point, you know, I'm happy to support them. And if, like you did with the the, um, guy in the hot tub, you didn't know that person, but assume that was a friend that you see regularly. I don't know. For me, there might come a time, depending on my relationship, that I stopped asking those questions. I don't know. You know, if someone keeps telling me over and over that, they're going to change and they don't, that becomes an energy sucker for me. When someone constantly calls to complain about what's going on and they have a conversation, oh yeah, I should do that different. And here comes the next call next week. So I've gotten a lot better at setting boundaries. That's one of the places I say no in terms of how I allow people's energy into my life or not. Yeah. What's the, what's the term that you use for that, Jeff, in the, in the corporate side? It's, it's what people tolerate. Oh yeah, that the the real the real determiner of our leadership, our culture, our experience is not what we say, not what we do, but what and who we tolerate. Uh, from a standpoint of not tolerating differences, which I encourage in tolerating yeah. differences, but when people are interacting a certain way, it's like I love Maya Angelou. <laughs> I think it's this version: when people tell you who they are, believe them, and. I think that I spent a lot of time making sure people stayed around in my life because somehow they were important to me. And I'll tell you, I, I will tell you this. I um, had this conversation probably two months ago. I met somebody for the first time, a very, uh, a, a very friendly person, that incredibly friendly. We talked for about 15 to 18 minutes. And during that time, that person talked 98% of the time. And in fact, at one point re- said, oh, you know what? I'm just talking about myself. Tell me about you. I said about 15 seconds worth and they went off on them again. <laughs> and I will tell you, I brought that up to a group who knows this person 
the next day. I said, man, I got to tell you, I struggle with that. Yeah. I, and here's what they said to me. Yeah, you know, that's just how he is. But, you know, he knows everybody, so you should really get to know him. <laughs> I said, you know, I'll give him one more try, but I'm not going to know anybody just because they can give me something. Right. And if someone, if that's really who he is in terms of always talking about himself, yeah, you know what? I, I can spend time over here, not there. Right. Yeah, good point. There are no shortage of people that you can meet given the personality that you have. And one of the things that people do, and I think we're seeing this a lot right now in the news, is they sell themselves out. And one of the persons that you can't get away from is you. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes we we want to try to excuse our own behavior, uh, but we always seem to know that we sold ourselves out. And so one of the things that I've really found from my customers, you know, is, man, I sold myself out or I sold my brother out. Mm. And it's funny when when you actually get in a room with people, like a consultation room, and you talk to people, people are haunted by things you would never believe. I, I had a, a guy who was haunted by the fact that his brother killed himself 30 years ago. Mm. And his brother had called him to see if he wanted, if he would go out with him that night. Oh. And he said, no. And he said, I, I wasn't doing anything. I just didn't feel like it. Mm. And so one of the things I think is really important is your reputation with yourself is easy to destroy but most people don't spend enough time reflecting on how is this really going to affect me in the long term so jeff i really admire you for saying i'm not going to meet somebody just because i yeah. tolerate this guy's behavior well and you just said something incredible Corey. that i'm going to share it's a whole nother topic <laughs> when you said that um i have a very close friend that when I met him, told me just what you did about the gentleman and his brother. His brother had committed suicide, and he was carrying so much grief and regret because his brother had called him that day, and he didn't return his call. Right? Same story. Mm. But here's the thing. I've known this gentleman about seven or eight years now, and about four years ago, because he never talked about it. He brought it up to his family, to his sister. He never told her that belief. Her, his sister points out to him it actually wasn't even true. Wow. It actually wasn't even true. And she could prove it based on the calendar that he could not have called him that day. And I forget because of something they were doing. So he had not only had the regret, he had created a story that it was wow. that he had gotten a phone call. So I mean, there's so many things that we say we believe mm. that aren't even true. And I, I did a video last week on a bumper stock bumper sticker I saw years ago that said, don't believe everything you think. Yeah. And that's an example. And people go, that's crazy. I've met a lot of people who have made up stuff in their life oh, yeah. that made them feel worse. Yeah. And I don't know why I could, I could project as to why he did that. I suspect he did feel guilt about his relationship. And I suspect it was so feel bad about that. I got to make it worse because I'm just a horrible person. But that wasn't even true. And so much of what's going on in our lives that's driving us to these behaviors and this unhappiness 
and our medication and all these things aren't really true. Not just like that. I mean, I, I, I call myself an itist, <laughs> not a realist, not an optimist, not a pessimist. I'm an itist. And it's about the moment. So when I look at a moment, I look at what's there, but only what's there without all the labels on it. Like when someone says, I had a terrible interaction. Well, what made it terrible? <laughs> While you had an interaction, what exactly happened? Well, they said this. Well, that's what happened. They said those words. Well, why are you so upset about that? Well, wouldn't you be? Actually, no, that wouldn't have upset me. <laughs> Apparently, right. it upset you. So the moment was yeah. terrible because what, how you interpreted all of that. That's what can determine our, how our experience of life is how I choose to see it. Hmm. That's just amazing because so many people will make these automatic assumptions yeah. about why Jeff didn't return their call. And always it's something stupid like, well, Jeff's phone died or he left it in the car. And so yep. the human mind, as you say, is open to incredible distortion. And yep. we must, we must be diligent about the idea that it's not Jeff's mind that's open to distortion or Craig's mind, every mind. Yeah. So asking ourselves, is this really true? Is a, is a question that can, can just save you years and years and years of grief. Well, I think that there's another thing that we can do, and that is to be proactive in that, in, in reframing things for other people. So for example, I was telling you about my mom being in the hospital, my dad's 91. In talking with my sisters, we've both, we, all three of us have been very close to our parents and have been there. And I made sure, I said, Dawn, Lisa, if something happens to mom and dad right now, you need to know that you have done everything that you can. There is nothing that you need to regret. And they both said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that. You know, that's been going through my mind. And those, that's one of the things that we can help other people release that even before something happens. Oh, that's brilliant. Because I've had so many customers that have done just that. I, I, I wanted to just let you know, you can take mom off her file because you know she's no longer with us and then they go on this story about how guilty they feel and so forth yeah. but the other thing and I, I i you you stoked in me and I, I want us to take responsibility for something one of the things that people do is they say you know i really really wish dad would have taken better care of himself hmm. uh i wish dad would have taken the chemotherapy instead of refusing it so i want uh, us to just recognize that our behavior does create uh, guilt and feelings in other people. So we need to have those conversations. And like you say, just be really open about what's going on and how everybody feels. Because as Jeff said, all of a sudden now it comes a, a magically invented story. And yet everybody succumbs to that. The studies on memory, if, if you haven't ever looked at those, are really interesting. We always think our memory is 100% accurate, but like Jeff says, when they actually go back and look at the facts, most of us, uh, our memories are nowhere near as accurate as we think. Hmm. Oh, the, in fact, you triggered that thought earlier, Corey. I didn't say anything about it when you were talking about 9-11. So there's actually a study based upon 9-11 where people, some professor was really, really bright. When that happened, he had everyone in his class write down what, where they heard about it and what they heard, who was there. Hmm. 
And then they went back and looked at it 10, 15 years later. <laughs> and they found that their accuracy, because that, you know, when those monumental events, we all say, I know exactly where I was. They found that the, the accuracy was only about 70%. Hmm. And that the more confident the person was in the accuracy, the more likely they were wrong. <laughs> I was just thinking, I know absolutely exactly what happened for me. And they, so had, I mean, they had really people, wrong. They had people said, you know, for example, if it was us saying, well, I was in the room and Corey was there and the, you know, and Craig was here and they go, yeah, no, Craig wasn't here. Craig was out of town that day. Wow. Well, no, I know it was like, who was there? It wasn't the words. It was who was actually yeah. there. And to your point, we, our memories, I think there's a, I want to say arrogance, but I think there's a comfort because there's a comfort in me believing that my memory is so accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know that it's always about being right. I think it can be perceived that way, but it's comfortable to feel like I actually know something. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more science in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. But the, the other thing is that for those 30% whose memories are wrong, to them, those memories are real. Yeah, absolutely. And we need, to we need to respect that place. I mean, I, I know that I've seen many family members argue over what happened and why it happened and who's at fault and everything. And I think about the time the police officer came into the pharmacy and he just had his head in his hands. There had been a car accident and he said, I got five different accounts of what happened. And I just know if there was a camera what the camera would see was completely different. Mm. And, and I want to tell you something that really was interesting. I was coming home from work, I don't know, about a year ago, and there was a, a car accident right in front of me. I was sitting at a stoplight, and all of a sudden, two cars hit. Uh, one car, I think, was turning in, in front of the other car. But what I found really fascinating about it was it was so unexpected and so shocking, I couldn't really tell you what happened. But I could feel my mind trying to fill in the blank, right? And it was just the most surreal experience. And I think we do that with everything. Like Jeff said, we want to know something. So if Craig doesn't respond in the way that we think Craig should, we start filling in the blank. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And sometimes if you ever had your wife be mad at you because you were late, and she had invented this whole scenario in her mind about how you were in the ditch and da-da-da-da-da, and she was so worried and whatever. And yep. then she found out that you just got delayed at work or whatever. But there was still this kind of like little riff because she was spent so much time worrying. That's why these are so important. <laughs> Have <laughs> a little really, communication that's with really you. really a great point, Corey. I think if you look at that scenario, just take that example. Someone hasn't called, hasn't texted, hasn't returned it. One thing that we, I often do, and we all do, is we make something up about it. We reach a conclusion yeah. about it. And I think one of the reasons we do that is because now I don't have to think about it, right? Because I've decided what it is. I don't have to think about it. But we forget that there's another option that doesn't involve thinking, which is I'm not going to decide anything about it. I'm just going to, that's my itism. My itism there would yeah. say, so what actually happened? Um, I sent a text to Corey and I haven't heard back from him. Yep. And that's that's all that has happened. Yeah. So that's a choice as well, the choice to put nothing on it versus thinking about it, making stuff up or deciding what it is. You know, Corey's, Corey's um, impolite. Corey's not respectful. Well, yeah. 
no, I can just decide, well, there's, I sent it at 8.02 and it's uh, 10.02. I haven't heard back. That's the, that's the it is. Expectations. So then if you move that into the leadership space, right? So how many leaders make personnel mistakes based on an assumption where they were filling in the blanks and they didn't really know? I don't know. Jeff is just not himself lately. Da, 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 da. And they didn't ask. Right. One of the worst experiences I ever had with a supervisor, because I worked in a hospital for a while, my dog had died the night before. Hmm. And I was literally, I was literally crushed because the reason she died is we had to have her put down because she had cancer. And there was this whole thing about, could we, you know, have them amputate her leg uh, and give her a chance? Could we do chemotherapy? You know, the way the vet wanted to do it, it would be about $8,000. And, you know, there's this whole thing. And, and then when we finally decided that uh, the best we could do was put her down so she wasn't miserable, I mean, I could barely function. I should not have been to work that day. And my supervisor made several assumptions. And, and I'll probably, on some level, never get over that. Mm. And so one of the things that, that we talk about in, in, in my circles is, who is Craig? Who is Jeff? So if you draw a circle on a desk and you write Jeff in the middle or Craig in the middle, and then you draw a line in another circle, so you put your wife's name there and then your kid's name there, and all of a sudden, we're not just the pharmacist, right? We're a dude trying to balance all of this. And I think it, it, it can go awry pretty quickly. And so that happens for our employees, our associates, our coworkers, our colleagues. So what are we doing then to find out what Jeff's talking about? Well, what are we doing to give them the space to just find out what happened? Or like Craig said, asking. Are we asking, hey, Craig, what's really going on in your world? Because I care about you. <laughs> and you well, seem off today. Well, not just ask, not well, ask the questions. And I think the leader's opportunity is to create a culture where people feel safe talking about this, even when they're not asked or where they get the general question. Like when someone says, how are you doing? People feel safe to actually answer it. It's not about a rant. I mean, I'll tell you, this is about how, you know, I had a call on my lunch club call about a week ago and the woman said, how are you doing today? That was her first question to me. Not a surprising question. How are you today? And I chose in that moment, mainly because of who I am. I said, you know, I got to tell you, it was a Thursday. It was the day after. It was the no? It was Friday. It was Friday, two days after the Capitol issue. Oh, yeah. And I had a tough Wednesday. I had a tough Thursday. And when she asked me Friday morning, I said, you know, I got to be honest with you. I've had a tough couple days. I was a little surprised, but that hit me really hard emotionally. Um, I've been struggling with a lot of sadness the last couple of days. I chose that to be my first answer because that was what was true for me. And I know that that answer changed our conversation. Absolutely. Because from that, it went to her next comment was, well, I grew up in Peru Mm. and I grew up under a dictatorship from two to 18. I lived in a dictatorship and I saw troops and I saw tanks and Wednesday felt like that to me. Wow. That conversation never would have happened if I don't answer the question that way. If yeah. I do, hey, you know what? I'm having a great day, which I also was having a great day. Both were true. But I just spoke from my heart. And I think part of leadership is creating a culture where people feel that that's not only acceptable, it's actually encouraged. Yeah. It's What's okay to feel. On? 
you modeled a great way to do that by saying, hey, you know what? Yes, I am the supervisor if someone wanted to talk about the plaque on the wall, but I'm a human being. And owning that and saying, you know what? Yes. Relationships are a two-way street. If I'm going to care about my associates and my coworkers, I need to give them the space to care about me as well. Oh, that, wow. Yeah. And so you did that. So you said, well, you know what? If Jeff is willing to open up to me, then obviously there's a trust space there. So I can open up to him. And I think that's brilliant, Jeff. Well, all I know, Corey, is this has been brilliant. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there's a couple things I heard today that were new. And when I said the word brilliant, it struck me that all the things we're talking about are really simple. They may not be easy all the time. I like to separate easy from simple. I think that, you know, it's a simplicity that staying and living in this moment matters. It changes our life experience. It changes our relationships, changes everything. And it might be hard to find that way. It can be. For some people, it's easier than others. You found meditation practice help. Uh, everything you know there's a, there's all sorts of different ways to get there but this outcome of being in the moment living in the moment and saying this is all i've got is it's it's hard to call that brilliant and it is it's brilliant and yet so simple well that's really all we're trying to do is help people recognize that somehow some way we've made life complicated <laughs> and it doesn't have Boy, to be. have we yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder, you know, is it, is it a different experience in America than it is in other places in the level of complexity that we, we create for ourselves? I have a friend, a really good friend who, uh, he couldn't take the corporate thing anymore. He just basically gave up and he took his savings and he went to Ireland for a year and mm. basically lost about 80 pounds and became a personal trainer. And he said, you can't imagine the pace of life over there compared to the pace of life here. Wow. And the thing is that, Craig, this is really important. If your audience gets one thing out of this, is that you don't have to subscribe to the pace of life that the media or the government <laughs> or your friends tell you. Right. You're allowed to choose the pace that Craig operates at. And I think it's by saying no to things that don't speak to your heart and saying yes to one or two or three things at maximum that yeah. you're going to invoke your best self in. And when you do that, suddenly everything changes. But you've got to get away from this making excuses for your own behavior. You don't have to make an excuse because you love to play guitar. Yeah. Just like Jeff doesn't have to make an excuse because he likes modern art. <laughs> we get in yeah. this thing of looking for approval and other people are not thinking about us. They're thinking about them. I think Dr. Phil said it best. He said, you know, and then he probably wasn't the first one that said it, but he said, you know, if you really realized how little other people think of you, you'd be offended. <laughs> <laughs> you mean think about you? Really? How exactly often? that. Oh yeah, yeah. How often people think about you, yeah. they, you'd be offended. <laughs> and Darren, Darren Hardy who used to be the publisher of Success Magazine he said you know when I counted the people that I think would actually cry at my funeral I think it was about 10 so the rest of the world is going to have to put up with what I decide I want to be great at <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> right on. Wow. God, Corey, this is this is so good, so enriching for me and all our listeners. Oh yeah. We we always want to give our guests an opportunity to share. Is there anything in particular you want to highlight or promote that's going on in your world right now? Well, the biggest thing right now is that I, I feel like we need to promote each other. We need to promote giving each other the space to grieve for that loss of simplicity for the politics that are involved. I think you did something, Jeff, that I think is really amazing. You talked about how the event of last week affected you and affected your coworker. And what I believe about that is that it affected 7 billion people differently. Now, to some, it didn't affect it all because they don't even know about it. Everybody has grieving we need to do for our society right now, and everybody has grieving for the loss of simplicity. So right now, all I'm offering is, you know, go to the thesuccessfulthinker.com. If there's something that's heavy on your heart that you want to talk about or a leadership question you have, go ahead and just email me and let's just have a conversation. I think right now, I'm not really interested in providing anything right now except for just a space for you to be the person that you are. I love that. Wow. Thank you, Corey. You, you mentioned your website. What is, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Well, you know, I do my best work on Facebook, Instagram, and my website. And so www.thesuccessfulthinker.com. And what that'll do is that'll hook you up with the podcast. It'll show you what kinds of topics that I usually coach people about. And there's always free resources and things that, that should be very helpful. Fantastic, wow. Corey. Thank you so and, much for being here. Wow. Yeah, I, I do want to get one question in. Uh, in the interest of time, we'll just do one question. Uh, you've dropped so much wisdom, so I'm not going to go with that one. I'm going to go with my favorite uh, that I haven't used in a while. So I want you to imagine, Corey, that you have the opportunity to have dinner with someone. They're living. Who are you having dinner with, and what's the one question you want to ask them? That is, you know, one of the all-time greatest questions. I think right now, I think the person I probably would want to talk to most is either Kamala Harris or Mike Pence. Because I'm feeling like these people are uniquely positioned to explain the viewpoints of their leadership and where they are having to step in to be a support role and how they want to go about it. And I, I really want to say, I'm, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a dude. And I, <laughs> Keep I, going back to that. Corey, the dude. Yeah. I mean, and I just try to, I just try to look at things that happen like, like uh, Jeff was saying, the it ism. So what's at issue now and how can you effectively use that to provide the most value to the greatest number of people and so my heart hurts for how everything has been politicized one way or the other and what i really would like to see is the people that can actually affect those changes but without being the one who the main spotlight is on and just see what their viewpoint is because i'm really curious right now about how does a country go forward from here? 
I love that. Well, thank you for that, Corey, and thanks for all that you shared. And and more importantly than this time together, and it was an amazing series of moments, but more importantly, thank you for the way you live your life and the way you choose to touch people's lives just by being in the moment. So thank you. Well, and thank you guys for the opportunity to chat. I mean, this has been a wonderful 90-minute moment, and I really, really enjoy speaking with you. I really, really like the way you guys think. Great. Thanks for being here. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartevera Tribe. The Cartevera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartevera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.